So today I want to start talking about the character of God. The character of God. How do we define character? One of the definitions I picked up about character is the way someone thinks, feels, and behaves. The way someone thinks, feels, and behaves. A person's personality. Friends, why are we talking about character? Why are we talking about the character of God? How much you know about the character of a person determines how strong your relationship will be with them. I put it down this way, that understanding the true character of God is foundational to having a great relationship with Him. Understanding the true character of God, how God thinks, how God feels, and how God behaves is foundational you know, to you having a great relationship with Him. Now, God is one of the most misrepresented beings on earth. The most re- misrepresented being on earth. You know, people don't understand Him. Many people don't understand Him. They don't know Him. So when you don't know God, when you don't understand Him, you know what you are, what you are susceptible to? Lies. When you don't know for certain what God can do and what God cannot do, you are susceptible to lies. People can manipulate it. People can give you whatever they think in their mind of what God says he is. And to the degree to which you respect the person speaking to you, I mean, if you consider them as an authority in the body of Christ and the Christian faith, whatever, to the degree you take them or you consider them as an authority is the degree to which you will eat their lies. I was sharing with a few people. I'm trying to remember where exactly I was talking to yesterday. I was speaking to someone on the phone yesterday. And I was telling them that one of the things that drives my confidence in preaching the gospel is because I, do, I didn't come into pastoring to make money. Friends, pastoring for me is very, very challenging because I like value. I like to give true value, real value. So I'm not the kind of pastor that invites you to church, we do church, and that's it, you go home. No. I want, to, I want to go on that journey of spiritual formation with you, whereby Christ is being formed on the inside of you, whereby you, you grow in your confidence in God that you can easily speak to the Father wherever you are and you don't have to look for your pastor to pray for you. That's my assignment. Jesus, the Bible says of Jesus in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that you know, he gave gifts, ministry gifts to certain people. He appointed some people pastors, teachers, evangelists, um, apostles, prophets. He, said, he, now, he appointed people like us so that we can train, equip, or build the body of Christ. That's my assignment. right? So me coming to the ministry to help you, equip you, give you what you need to be a solid believer, bold, confident. You know, that's, what, that's what I came into ministry to do. I didn't come in to make money. So I had to take, I, I, I take ownership of my finances. You know, I really appreciate the guys who give to this church, right? Um, I was saying to my wife, even though I don't spend a penny of the money or you know, do anything you know, with myself, it all has gone into ministry and the things that we, we needed to do, buy and stuff like that. But it just is encouraging to see that people can support the work that God is committing to your hands. I'm not into this to make money. Now this is where I'm going. Because I'm not in this, into this for money or to look after my family, it gives me the boldness to speak the word of God. Now, 
the part that I want you to pay careful attention to as regards to what we're talking about this morning is this. You don't know the motive of many people who have come into ministry. And if you don't know people's motive, you don't know why they are telling you what they are telling you or what they are saying to you what they say to you. What I mean is this. I was, telling, I was saying to you earlier on that if you don't understand the character of God, you are susceptible to lies, to deception, manipulation, and control of people, um, some whom you may even consider an authority in the Christian faith. Now, people, especially, who come into ministry to make money, anytime they begin to notice that their finances is shaky, their source of livelihood, which is what a man, a particular man called it, their source of livelihood is at risk or is being threatened, then they want to give to people what people want to hear, what their itty ears want to hear, what is soothing to them. And such people will always lie about the character of God. Take note of that. People will come into the ministry for whatever ulterior motive in their mind or for money or to make money. So when their source of livelihood in a sense is threatened or their lifestyle that they have um, cultivated, developed, maybe... A, a lavish lifestyle. Many pastors are very lavish in their lifestyle. And they, make, they take this money from the church so that they can, they can measure up with their peers. And there are some un, unreasonable and... Um, okay, I don't want to go into details of it. When I slow down, it's because I, I'm trying to be nice on Sunday morning. Right. So there are some unreasonable and some bad companies that many men of God and women of God keep. And they measure one another based on material possessions. So when a pastor feels his life is, is um, his standard of living is threatened and he will not be able to measure up, he won't be able to go into this camp of ministers and boast about how many church members he has, how much money they are making, the kind of building they have, and things like that. He begins to manipulate people. Now go check, go check every pastor or every minister of the gospel who is very money-minded, sending you seeds, asking you to send them seeds and all those kind of things, firstborn offering, all those kind of things. If you can take your time to act like, um, which, um, which actor can I recommend who is a fantastic spy or investigator, right? I think we once want to watch Anna Wells in Designated Survival. Well, if you watch Designated Survival, Designated Survival, you, you can only watch season one and two. Don't go to season three. Season one and two is a family friendly. Season three is a company of demons. Don't even go there. Don't even mistakenly say, I want to see what it looks like. A few seconds that I watched on Designated Survivor season three, it took praying in the Holy Ghost for like an hour to get the death and the, the, the death, the junk and the filth that, you know, that hit my mind. Uh, it's quite sad that they went, that, they went down that route. So Designated Survivor do one, season one and two. So Anna Wells was, was a kind of an, um, is a CIA agent or FBI agent at some point there? Well, she's very good in terms of investigation, right? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> she's very good at investigation. So you may, want to learn, you, want to, you may want to learn from Anna Wells to be a very good investigator and go investigate these men and women of God. And you find out that as many people would distort the true character of God, which I will start showing you in a few moments, would distort the true character of God, it's because of an ulterior motive in their mind. And this is a warning to you and I. Now, if we are not very careful, if we start adding 
or start developing an ulterior motive or agenda about the Christian faith, we will be easily deceived. So the Christian faith, if you're a minister of the gospel or in general a Christian, the Christian faith is such one that you have to be very careful who you listen to, who you pay attention to. You have to be extremely careful who you give your ears to. Now, friends, bear this in mind. You have a flesh. When I say flesh, I mean an unrenewed part of you. That part, there's some deposit that the sinful nature left in your mind and in your soul. Your body is still corrupted, corrupted by sin. Your body is the last part of you that will be redeemed on the last day. Right? It's the last part of you that will be redeemed. So your spirit has been redeemed. Your soul is being redeemed in the word of God. And your body redeemed, bought back, transformed, changed, uncorrupted at the return of Jesus. Now, as long as your body is still corrupted by sin one way or the other, and that's the reason why we go older, I get to me, I think I've, I can count some gray hair on my head. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, right? I, I thought I was going to be young forever. Young ladies, teenage girls, should we get into this conversation today? You ain't going to look sweet 16 forever. Just get it straight. Age will catch up with you. Amen. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. Right. So, uh, our body is still corrupted, right? And it's going to be transformed on the last day. Like I said two weeks ago, I'm going to have a, a glorified body and it's going to be, I mean, I'm going to look much more handsome than I am right now. Uh, some of you think I'm handsome. Some of, and I thank you guys for the compliment that I'm a very handsome pastor. Thank you so much. God bless you. I appreciate that. My wife will be wondering when, who said that. <laughs> All your comments on Facebook, you know, thank you so much. But when I have a glorified body, my handsomeness, ah, it is the power of one million. Amen. Hallelujah. I've just, I've, I've been trying to speak to the heavenly, if you're allowed to wear sunglasses, you know, in, in, in heaven, you know, so, so that I can, I can really, really maximize my look. Amen. What I'm trying to say is this. As long as we have a corrupted body that is not fully redeemed, we will we are susceptible to the attacks. We are vulnerable to attacks of the enemy. The enemy can easily deceive us. It can take advantage of our weaknesses to exploit us. So we have to be careful that we don't give foothold to the enemy. We don't give chance, opportunity to the devil to exploit us. And how the enemy tend to get us most of the time, his primary way of attack is through our mind. If the enemy can make you believe about yourself or about God, who you are not or who God is not, you cannot really become the person God created you to be. And you cannot have a strong and a dynamic relationship, a life-changing, fulfilling, peaceful relationship with the Father. God is up for relationship. The Bible tells us, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what eternal life means? John chapter 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, to know God and his Son, Christ Jesus, who he has sent. Now, eternal life refers to the very life of God. Now, God wants you to come into a, a perfect union with him. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that God was in constant fellowship with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Constant fellowship, even though many people consider it as God was always coming down in the cool of the day. No, God's presence is there 24-7. Amen. So, since man fell, since man sinned, God has been walking. God was walking to 
restore man back to himself. And that's why the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about Jesus being given a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of restoration in, to God. Amen. So Jesus came to restore us back to the Father. So if you have a wrong perspective about the character of the Almighty God who loved you so much and sent the Son to die for you, to restore you to Him, perfect union and harmony, fellowship with Him. If you have a wrong perspective about His character, who He is, you cannot have a sound and healthy relationship with Him. Amen. That's just, um, I'm just starting my intro. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, let's turn our Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter 1, 3. So I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. I repeat, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, what, I'm, what the Bible is kind of saying to us is this. If you want to experience the power of God to live that godly life, if you want to experience the power of God to live a successful Christian life, you have to know who it truly is. A revelation knowledge of God is what opens you up to the power of God. See, God has done everything for you in Christ Jesus. He has healed you. He has blessed you. If you're a single lady believing God for a husband, with all due respect, there's no such thing as a waiting room. He has given you, he has provided a man for you. And if the man will not respond, he will get you another man in a sense, right? And if you're a lady, a single, uh, if you're a single man trusting God for a, 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 a wife, right? I repeat again, you know, that I repeat, there's no such thing as waiting room, right? The moment you started developing that, and God started working on it. I think most of the time, many of us do not understand the place of process. There's process involved in anything we want to receive from the Father. Many of us will start believing God for a property today. And we expect that house to show up tomorrow. Someone like me, my kind of custom, the kind of property that I'm kind of believing God for, right, is, is very unique custom. And I don't want to go into details, right? I don't expect it to, to show up tomorrow or next year because the engineers, we have to pay careful attention to the specification. And God have to take his time to find the best engineers on earth to design my house and to build it. Amen. So if tomorrow or in two years' time, the house hasn't shown up, some people think God has not answered my prayer. No, no, no. Things are happening behind the scenes. Right? And so, the more you hold on to faith, right, believing God, walking, following the directions of God, I'm tempted to go into more details about that, but I'm not going to go that. Go there. Right. I get to me. You will see what you are trusting God for. What am I trying to say? Now, it's the revelation knowledge of who God truly is that gives you access to his divine power that enables you to experience the power of God, to live the God kind of life, to live a victorious Christian life. If you don't know God for sure, who he is, what he has given to you in Christ Jesus, who he says you are, you can't experience him so much and you cannot, be, you cannot brag or boast about him. 
So your knowledge of God is crucial to, to helping you live a true Christian life. A successful Christian life. Your, the revelation, the undiluted, un, un, undiluted, unmisappropriated yeah, is that correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, knowledge of God is a game changer. So when you see a lot of Christians living a kind of a defeated, weak lifestyle whereby sin and the powers of darkness are controlling and ruling their life. Now, it's simple as this. The reason why some problems persist in the life of many Christians, I'm not saying the reason for the problem, but the reason why some problems problems persist for so long in many believers' lives is because of the limited knowledge or distorted knowledge of the character of God. So, defining character, we said what, how a person thinks, feels, right, and behaves. Many people don't know how God feels. Many people wake up on Monday morning because they don't like their job and they don't feel excited. They feel, some people just think God is angry at them. To me, it's a kind of level of, it's just not right. It, does, it doesn't feel right or sound right that a person, because they are not feeling good about themselves, think God is not feeling good about them. No, something is not right. Imagine you said you wake up on, on Sunday morning because you don't feel good about yourself or something you did that was not right, you then think your husband is angry at you who probably had not even known about what you did. It's your conscience. Amen. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? So, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what your journey is like. I don't know how you came into the Christian faith. I don't know what they've told you about God. But if you are always afraid of God, I mean, fear of trouble, fear of terror, fear of punishment, then you don't know the true and the holy God. I repeat, if in your Christian life at this stage, you are still afraid of God, and you don't have a sound, loving relationship with the Father. I don't know the kind of God I'll preach, that to, preach to you or share with you, but definitely you do not know the God and the Father of my Lord, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So knowing the character of God, the nature of God, how God thinks, how God feels, how God behaves, man, is one of the greatest keys to living a successful Christian life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me help you a little bit. Not knowing the character of God is, is one of the reasons why your, your prayer life is hindered. You can't talk to him. You can't believe him. You hear things like, when you pray, God may say, yes, no, maybe. Hallelujah. You know, when I, when I, when I roll my hands this way, you know, I'm trying to, it's, it's, it's all of my techniques to control my emotions. Amen. Amen. That's a new one. <laughs> no, there's no such thing. But Jesus said, if two of you shall agree on earth as to touching one thing on earth, he said, my father in heaven will do it unto you. There's no condition. Okay, 1 John 5, 14, I believe. He said, uh, let's go there, 1 John 5, 14. 1 John 5, 14, the new, King James, uh, new uh, NIV. He said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Many of us don't have any confidence. But let me show you one of the reasons why you don't have a confidence in approaching God in praying at all. So this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he may hear us. He might hear us. Is that how it reads in your Bible? No, it said, he hears you. 
Verse 15 says, and if we, if we know, some of us don't know, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Let's repeat verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, guys, are you, are you beginning to warm up to understand where, where we are going? We still have a long, a long way to go because if I can do a good job helping you and challenging you to go after the word of God, to find out for yourself the character of God, man, if I can do that, if you don't remember many of my messages, what I taught, but we can remember this one because of how I've delivered it to your challenge, your steady up by the power of the Holy Ghost, man. I think I've blessed you with one of the best gifts you can have on earth. Do you know that even when you sin, that's not the time to run away from God? Because God is not, God is not looking for opportunities to punish you for your sins. No, God wants you healed of that addiction, of that problem, of that trouble. I'm not saying that we should take advantage of God or take God for granted because there's no such thing as taking God for granted. Taking God's kindness and mercy for granted is opening up your life to demons and devils to deal with you. But as far as God is concerned, he has forgiven you of all your sins in Christ Jesus. Now, if God says that in the book of 1 Corinthians 13, that love does not keep record of wrong, so why do we think that God would do less or God would do contrary? Some people think that God is holding their sins against them. Or the sins of their fathers, their grandfathers are going to get there at some point. The sins of their grandfather, you know, God is a God that, you know, that allows evil to happen. Uh, the consequence of the sin of evil to happen from the first generation to the fourth generation of those. All kind of stuff. We're going to get there. So I think one of the reasons why many people don't have a good understanding of, of the character of God is because they do not really know how to read the Bible. And as you stay with us on Transformers Church, I'm, a lot of things I'm going to be showing you guys, walking you guys on a journey, training you guys, equipping you guys so that you can become who God has called you to be and do what he has called you to do successfully. Praise the Lord. So we've kind of established the fact that knowledge, knowing who God is, is fundamental, is essential, is crucial to you living a successful Christian life. Praise the Lord. So let's take it further. I, I have in my notes, if we are to avoid the perversions about God in the world, in this world full of deception, we must learn what God is like and who is from and, and who he is. So if we are to avoid perversions, distortions, excuse me, perversions and distortions about who God is and what is like. <laughs> Uh, we should go into his word and understand who he is, what his character is like. In this world that is full of all forms of deception and lies, you cannot really know what is in the mind and the heart of, God, of, of human beings. So ensure you have your Bible with you at hand 24-7. Because someone's speaking to you tomorrow and always prophesying into your life, you don't know what's on their mind. And if you, if you don't know what God can prophesy or what God cannot, cannot prophesy into your life, you'll be easily deceived. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Okay. I'll leave that. I'll come to that this around. So, still on this distortion that people have of God, many Christians, though they have their Bible, they follow Greek philosophers. And one of them will come on the screen right now. Philosophers who themselves do not really understand who God is. So let's quickly read what this philosopher says, and then I'm going to expound on that. So this guy, his name is called Epicurus, an ancient Greek philosopher. Now this is what this guy wrote about God uh, and the idea of evil and suffering. So we're coming to this evil and suffering uh, next. He said, is God willing to prevent evil but not able to? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent, <laughs> which means able to do evil, willing to do evil. Is he, both, is he both able and willing? Then whence comment evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? I mean, let's take it again. Well, don't recite after me, but let's, let's look at it. I'll, I'll take it again. So this guy is saying, is God willing to prevent evil, but he's not able? So if God is willing to prevent evil, but he's not able, then he's not omnipotent. Omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not as powerful as people say he is. And these are the questions I believe many people are asking about God. Amen. So if God is then able to stop evil to prevent evil so why is he not doing it then if god is not, pre- is not <laughs> if god is not preventing evil even though he's able he's all powerful then he's a wicked god that's what he's simply saying there so in your mind are you thinking god is wicked god is a wicked god because you think he's all powerful you've seen his power demonstrated in the in in the old testament of the bible but he's not doing anything about it so you think god must be wicked and, you, and it affects your relationship with God. Now, watch this. So this guy is saying, okay, if God is both willing and able to prevent evil, then where comes evil? So he's thinking there. So, so if God is willing and able and probably doing it, so why do we say have evil in the world? Then last one he says, is he neither able nor willing? Why call him God? I don't know what you think about the first statement this guy made. What are your thoughts? What do you think? Which part of those statements or questions do you, I mean, are you subscribed to when it comes to the character of God? Omnipotent? Malevolent? Or, I mean, what, what do you think of God based on your personal experiences? Amen. So when you say things like uh, omnipotent and those kind of stuff, now, in general terms, I was looking at this on the BBC website. Uh, I think it's, there are four major attributes that um, Christians attribute, I mean, uh, ascribe to God. Right. So for the sake of the um, kids in church today who may have done all of this in, in school, uh, I think I should actually prepare it to put it on the screen for you guys. But I'm going to read through. I think we should talk about what they've taught you in school. And then we match it together. So, uh, it's generally believed that God has four main attributes. Omnipotent. So, which means have unlimited power. So, he's all-powerful. And the question is, okay, if God is all-powerful, why does he not stop 
evil, and suffering. God is all-powerful, right? But he's not stopping evil and suffering. Omnipresence, omnipresence, I think it's pronounced, the presence of God is everywhere at the same time. So if God is present everywhere at the same time, so the question is, why would he stand and watch a child molested or abused? So that question is, is God in some dingy places that unbelievers go to where they do all manner of evil? Amen. Omnibenevolence, unlimited goodness. I said, omnibenevolent. Omnibenevolent. Amen. Yeah, good. You get it right. <laughs> omnibenevolent. <laughs> Just tell me it's funny. <laughs> so, unlimited goodness. So, you say God is good. But why is evil? Why would he allow evil to happen to people if it's all good? Right? So, on that question is, why would he allow evil or suffering to be created in the first place? Or even allow it to continue? What kind of God is this? You know, we sing the song, God is so good. You know, in most churches, when the pastor comes on the platform to preach, he said, God is good. We say all the time. All the time, God is good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We say God is good, but... A lot of problems are happening in people's lives. There's evil and there's suffering. Now, people not understanding the cause and the root of suffering and evil in the world has made a lot of people to doubt the goodness and the kindness of God. It's one of the reasons why people don't have a clue or are confused about the character of God. And what many of them do not know is that they allow in their, li in their lives what God has not permitted in their lives. Amen. We're starting this journey. It's going to be exciting. You want to ensure that you're part of the ser series till we complete it. So the last attribute that people believe God has is omniscience, right? Which means he, he knows everything. So let's take the four very quickly. Omnipotent. Unlimited power, omnipresence uh, is, is everywhere. Uh, omnibenevolence, uh, unlimited goodness. Omniscience, all-knowing, it knows everything. See, all of this leads to one, one, or, one or two problems that I've captured here. I'll take two of them. So for many people, the idea that God allows evil and suffering in the world is one of the reasons why they find it difficult to believe in God. So that thinking, that thinking that why would God allow evil in the world if he's uh, omnibenevolent, why would he allow evil? You know, when you, when you watch the TV and you see, thank you, Holy Spirit, when you watch the TV and you see some suffering, some parts of Africa going through, you should question, or you may question, but why would God allow this? So what you don't understand, or what you are not paying attention to, is the leaders in those nations who are full of evil, right, and are enriching their purse or their pockets at the detriment 
of the people in that country. People don't see that. But what they see is God. Amen. So, and this is one of the reasons why we have two categories of people um, called the atheist and the agnostic. The atheist believes there's no God. Because if there's evil and suffering in the world, there's no God. If God is all-powerful, like people say, and he could allow all of the suffering in the world, then there's no God. Agnostic says they're unsure whether there is a God. You know, they've seen some things, they've seen some things, okay, maybe this must be God. Maybe some of them have kind of escaped some kind of um, dangerous accident that could have taken their life and experienced a force or a power, you know, um, rescue them. And they know it's beyond the ordinary. So they say, you know, I'm not sure because sometimes when, when I see certain things, it seems like God exists. Well, at other times when I see some things, it seems like God does not exist. So they're unsure. Amen. So it appears difficult to believe in any God who allows evil and suffering in the world. Now, the second problem has to do with Christians. The first one has to do with um, unbelievers, right? People in the world that they just don't know, right? Some people uh, just hate God because of their experiences, right? And some of us Christians, how we've treated people in the world unkindly makes some people hate God. Because what they see when, they talk about, when we talk about God or Jesus is our character. Amen. Problem two. Some Christians see suffering as an essential part of human life. For me, that is huge. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee. Uh, next week, probably I'm going to get into why there's suffering in the world, why there's evil and suffering in the world. Today, I just want to lay foundation and get our heart prepared about the truth of God's character. Right? So James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I believe, just jumping ahead of myself, I believe there's devil and demons in the world and I've encountered them a number of times in my life. I've exercised my authority in the name of Jesus and I've seen demonic operations shift and stop. I've been challenged, I've shouted at by demonic voices that I've hijacked people's voice. I've seen all manner. I've seen demons come into my bedroom and try to kill me and I stopped them in the name of Jesus. I've had experiences whereby four personalities came to my bed, two at my leg, two at my hand, and they were going to lift me. I've had experiences where something came in and choked me and tried to kill me in my bed. I've seen no manner. Right? And how I've escaped all of them is by enforcing my authority in Christ Jesus. I've had all manner of sicknesses and diseases that I intentionally did not go to the GP to talk about them because I don't want to hear the name of that disease and I had to confront them by the power of the Holy Ghost. I've dealt with demons. I mean, I have dealt with some demonic attacks that lasted for two years. Every day. Every day. <laughs> misery. I stood my ground. Amen. On this one, what was my um, confidence or my stand to resist the devil? The Bible says, Resist the devil and we flee from you. This is where I'm going. So if people, I repeat, if Christians believe suffering is an essential part of life, so how will they know when the devil is the one in operation and trying to take them out? So how can you differentiate the suffering that comes from God, in quote, and the suffering from the devil? 
Do you know what this does? It absorbs people of responsibility to stand their ground in Christ Jesus and to resist the devil. So many people, because they cannot explain the reason for the existence of suffering and evil in the world, then they accept it that, you know, God wants to make something out of your suffering. That's a lie. Do you know what? Why don't we think about it this way? Why are some Christians overcoming the power of darkness, having breakthroughs in their life? And why some are, you know, they can't even get by, they can't even expose the authority in Christ Jesus? Why is that happening? Why? Can we think and ask ourselves, is God partial or does it show favoritism? But if, but if his word says it does not show favoritism, so shouldn't we go behind the scenes and ask more questions? Why is this happening? Why is it that a person, a Christian, while they were in a particular church setting, their life was full of demonic attacks and oppressions and all manner of evil, then they, they switched church, church. They came to churches like Transformers Church and they realized that the demons and personalities walking into their room from the wall after I've taught them according to Colossians, man, one of my favorite teachings, this personality came back in through the wall into their room to harass them and they stood up to that personality. This is not frame trick. This is not um, um, Wakanda. Uh, <laughs> how's it called again? <laughs> what's it called Wakanda now? Black Panther. <laughs> no, this is not, no, no. This is real stuff. And I didn't give them any water. I didn't even meet them face to face. I didn't even lay hands on them. It was on the phone. We walked through the word of God and we prayed for about three, three days. Half an hour. Okay, 45 minutes at some point. I guess. And they started resisting these demonic forces. So think about it. People who were defeated, who believe suffering is part of life, they came in contact with sound believers, who taught them, what, then taught them the word of God, and the game changed. So we should start asking ourselves, so is suffering a part of life? Is it a special part of life? It does not make any sense. When, I, when we approach Christianity or God in, in that kind of way, can we see the reason why we are unstable in our Christian walk? Because we don't have a firm ground to stand upon when it comes to the character of God. And religion has done, has done so bad done us so bad that it doesn't allow us to think. I question the Bible. When I see something that's not, that doesn't seem, that seems contradicting the Bible, I challenge, I question it. And that's why I challenge the young people in my church to ask me a question. If you find anything in the Bible that does not seem to make sense, ask question. I know the common practice in, the, in, in, in Christian circle is that pastors don't allow you to ask questions. No, that's not, that's not, that should not be. The disciples of Jesus will go to him and ask him question. If I don't know, I'll say I don't know, and I'll go do some study research, and we'll talk about it. I don't know everything. I'm still learning. My, the insight I have in the Word of God today is much deeper than what I had two years ago, five years ago. Praise the Lord. So, if a believer does not have a stand or a leg to stand on firmly about the character of God. Can you see the reason why I said earlier on that such believers 
will be manipulated. They are susceptible to light, deception, manipulation. And that's why people will tell you that for God to answer your prayer, you need to go bring some special offering. They need to anoint your head with something for anointing for exploit, anointing for this. These are all lies. There's no such thing as anointing for exploit. No. The Bible says that you have the spirit of Christ on the inside of you. You don't need any man of God to anoint you for any exploit. It's a, it's, it's, it's a sham. It is calm. You don't need an anointing for breakthrough. So what kind of breakthrough are you looking for? Because many of us, when we talk about breakthrough, we are looking for financial or economic breakthrough. So the question is this. The likes of Elon Musk, the likes of Jebusus, and many millionaires in the world, what anointing the, the own anointing service they attend to have those economic breakthroughs that you are looking for. Someone is lying to us. Somebody does not know their job. Someone does not know what it means to be, be a pastor. Someone does not know the character of God. So they think they need to put a special power on you for you to have the things that unbelievers have without praying. Now, I'm not saying that as believers, we don't have an, an enemy. The devil would, would not want you to prosper financially, especially when you want to use the money to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that. But also what I'm saying to you is that even many of us, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice this morning, many of us, even the financial breakthrough that we are looking for, it's not, we are, our, our intention is not even to advance the kingdom of God. It's for you to look good in front of your peers. It's for you to declare your own class. Can you see, can you see a lot of confusion in the body of Christ? People going to church, trusting God for financial breakthrough so that they can show off, they can, they, can, they can tell other people that this is what God has done in my life because you got a job with Microsoft. Have you been in the news lately? The firing going on in the, in the tech, uh, tech sector. Amen. All right, as um, I come to a close because of my time, one of the things that many believers think when it comes to suffering is that suffering is a test. Now God is testing me. God wants me to be humble. God wants to form character in me. The question is this. All evil comes from the devil, right? So when did God and the devil become partner in the ministry? So God, one day, okay, Martin, Martin was not nice to Lizzie this morning. I'm not saying he wasn't this morning. On that particular morning, Maybe he raised his voice. It, they didn't tell me anything. I'm just giving an example, right? Martin raised his voice at Lizzie, and Lizzie felt bad. And God said, come on. What do you mean? How do you do me, Martin? And called the devil on speed dial. And said, you know what? When Martin wants to start his car this morning, that car must not start. No, God and the devil does not operate. No, God dwells in light. And the devil in darkness, absolute darkness. Did the Bible not tell you that, that no evil shall befall no, or no any place come near your, your dwelling place? Did the Bible not tell us that God has given his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways? That they will hold us in our hands lest we dash our foot against the stone? Has the Bible not tell us in Isaiah 54 verse 17 that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? So if those are the blessings of God in the word of God, so where, where are we getting all these things from about test? And okay, if it's a test from God, why are many Christians working against this? So, if sickness is a test on the believer, then they should allow the sickness to run to run its free course. Do you know that if you believe that sickness is a test, going to doctor is a sin because it means you are standing against the will of God in your life. Let us think 
Amen. Okay, so to make us feel good and um, about all of this, right, I'm just going to give us one scripture, then we shut down. Um, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Now, where and how to get a representation of God's character from is by looking at Jesus. Amen. So next week, we'll start unpacking how Jesus lives, who he was, what he demonstrated in terms of the character of God. And I hope that will bless you guys. And then we go in later on, if we have a chance next week, we'll go into why there's evil and suffering. And then we look at some key characteristics, attributes of God. Amen. Probably we'll do this in three or four weeks. Friends, don't miss this series. It's one of those series that will really, really change your life. Such that when the day you wake up in the morning or you left your home without praying, you don't feel condemned. When you remember that you have not prayed, you start praying there as you are going. And you are not waiting for an opportune time when the lights are off or in the middle of the night or around 12 noon, 12 midnight, where God answers prayer. I've seen a man of nonsense on social media, on, on Facebook. There's a lady who has a huge following on, 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 on social. I was talking about the reason why you should pray between 12 and 3 a.m. 12 a.m. and 3 a.m. So question is this. If you are praying, if you must pray, and God answers that prayer between 12 and 3 a.m., if you are based in Nigeria, and your, and your brother is based in the U.S., and you guys want to pray together, so does that mean that God will answer your own prayer because you are in Nigeria and will not answer the prayer of your brother who is based in the U.S. because of time difference? People are not thinking. Let's buy a prayer. Father, we thank you for this one in the name of the Lord Jesus.